You're listening to Delilah, Love Songs on the Coast. And this next song is dedicated to Hollywood star Martha Ray from her husband, Mark Harris. Mark sent in a note saying, Baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was 42 when I married you at 75. I'm sorry I spent all your money on my male lovers. And I'm really sorry you had to hear me sing. And I banned your daughter from your funeral. And I'm really sorry I told the world that you blew servicemen during your USO tours. And I'm sorry. You know what, Mark? Before we play your song to Martha, Pig Feet Pete, Delilah thinks you should listen all about your May-December marriage on this week's episode of This Was a Thing. I'm Rob. And I'm Daniel. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the retro podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. I am so excited for today's episode. I can't even wait. Uh, I have been wanting to do this episode since Ray and I first sat down together 33 years ago to uh, come up with this. It's still on the first season list. It's still on the first season list. Friends, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Um, Today, we're going to talk about the American spirit. (laughs) We're going to talk about American industrialism. We're going to talk about an individual that do, that represents the American dream better than anybody I can think about. Uh, don't give me your Horatio Alger stories, because today we're going to give you a Mark Harris story, friends. Mark Harris is the American dream. He is a name you do not know, and I promise you, after today, you probably won't be changed any, but it'll be a cool fun fact to bring up at parties and stuff. Mark Harris, American spirit, Ray do you know who Mark Harris is? Oh, I know Mark Harris. Oh, sure. Where do you know him from? Uh, I know him from the Stern Show, and then also from uh, all the times that you sat me down and explained his career to me. So this is just kind of a, a re, you know, this is just a refresher for me. Ray is uh, going to put on a sleep mask because <laughs> uh, he's heard yeah. most he's heard most of these stories before, and I feel bad because for the past three years, all I've been doing is sending Ray clips of this fucking man, Mark. Harris, American patriot. Daniel, do you know who Mark Harris is? I am the odd man out here. I have no clue who Mark Harris is, what his relevance is to the American dream, or just in general what we'll be talking about. So I'm very excited to be informed by both of you incredibly knowledgeable people. I can't wait. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for a long, long time. Mark Harris, friends, is the epitome of America. Every time he got knocked down, he got back up again. He started from nothing. He fucked his way to the middle, (laughs) ended with nothing. It is one of the most brilliant things you've ever seen in your life. And friends, if you were around in the late 80s, early 90s, you could not go 
anywhere without seeing Mark Harris's face on every magazine, every newspaper, every tabloid. He was everywhere. But most importantly, Ray knows him from... The Stern Show. The Stern Show. And why was Mark so popular? Because he was the first male gold digger. Friends, what is a gold digger? I'll take it in Latin from Daniel. I'll take it in English from Ray. What is a gold digger? Gold digger. I really do like that Ray is like, you, it, it seems like it is just like referencing Monty Python and the Holy Grail every time Ray says Latin. It's somewhat related to like the men slapping themselves with tablets. And I... I think that's great. Yeah, I thought Latin's more of like a, a sung language. Uh, no. No? For you, Ray, I always want to hear it sung. Absolutely. That just sounded like the word tuna, but done with a singing yeah. voice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what it says on the back of a dollar. So from my understanding, gold diggers are, um, and I suppose maybe Mark Harris is the one who expanded it outside of this, but it is a person uh, who is becomes entangled in a relationship for the express and sole purpose of financial gain or or status gain i guess it could be either one it would be either like financial gain status gain in a way that it elevates them that they would not have been able to do otherwise without being in that relationship i think that's brilliant ray you want to add on anything uh, and that is a great point ray i didn't think of that yeah the term gold digger first comes around um, in a 1911 book by a guy named Rex Beach. It took that long, really? That sounds like an 80s like villain. Like, oh yeah, here comes Rex Beach. He's gonna tear down the condominiums of this multi-diverse cast. Oh no, not Rex Beach! Not Rex Beach. Um, Rex Beach wrote a book called The Ne'er Do Well, and he ref- he used it in reference to people that were money mad, characters that were money mad. But the first example, like an actual real person that we have as a gold digger, is a woman named Peggy Hopkins Joyce. She was around in the early 1920s. She was married six times. She was engaged 50 times. And uh, she was a pretty smart cookie. She was a pretty smart cookie, uh, refusing to, like, sleep with her husband until he signed the will in front of her, stuff like that. But in a more contemporary sense, because you probably wouldn't know who Peggy Hopkins Joyce is. Now, the person that we probably know the most today as a gold digger is Anna Nicole Smith, who is 26 years old. She married a man who was 89 years old. And I don't think necessarily it was for his great body. Uh, but I, I I could be wrong. So anyway, that's probably who we know today. So let me ask you both a question. Do you think there is such a thing as gold digging? Where like someone is, is saying, I'm going to marry this individual because I know I'm going to get financially something out of it. Like, is that? Yeah. Is, it's valid. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you think it should be illegal? I mean, no. No. no consenting I don't adults. I think so. I, I, um, I think that the thing that I have like an ethical problem with, I guess, and this is like, like I'm not like the moral police or anything like that. I guess when I think about it though, like, the situations where I'm like, that feels a little icky to me personally, is when the person who is the gold digger is like leading on the other person. Because I've also heard situations where it seems pretty apparent to both parties, like, hey, I'm in it for the money and the gain. And the other person, like, sure, you know what? I realize that they are interested in me, not for necessarily my personality or looks or anything. And there's a mutual understanding there like that. I'm like, you know what? Like, please, like people should be in the relationships with whoever they want to. I think the thing that I have a problem with when it's like, oh, I love this person. And then like plotting behind their back sort of thing. Like, is that the, that's the form of it that I sometimes see that I don't like. That bothers you. But that's just me. Also, again, not the moral police. If you're not the moral police, then why do you always wear that badge, dude? Because I like badges. Ray, he's not police. He identified himself. He clearly identified himself. When they identify themselves at this point, they can't have anything in testimony. I know I know this. I was married to a gold digger. Just so you're aware, this conversation is being recorded. 
Oh, shit. Going to jail. So Anna Nicole Smith is probably the big one. But before them, like I said, there was a male gold digger. Before Anna Nicole Smith, there was a male gold digger. A man who, at the age, I think, of like 46, married a woman who was in her late 70s, had two strokes, had lost both of her legs, and really couldn't communicate anymore. But hey... Love is love is love. Am I right, Lynn Manuel? Friends, the person we're going to introduce you to now is Mark Harris's way into stardom, and her name is Martha Ray. Here's a little clip to show you who Martha Ray was, give you a little sense of Martha's talent. This is from a 1941 film of Martha's called uh, Keep Em Flying, and the song is Pigfoot Beat. We're out in Kansas City on one, two street. They say that there's a guy they call Bigfoot Pete. He plays piano by ear. Turn he plays all night for pigs, feet and beer. He's murdered. Not a very attractive individual, God bless her, but she had a big mouth. In fact, her nickname was Big Mouth, Miss Big Mouth herself. Now, uh, she's had a very, very rough life. Um, she was, uh, her parents were uh, vaudeville performers, so she was always on the oh, move boy. everywhere. But she was very deeply religious. She uh, was a daily Bible reader. She taught Sunday school. And one of the things that I really, really love about her, just to show how honest and, and true she is to herself. She's probably known for blowing the most uh, servicemen, uh, along with Skippy Lowe. Throwback. Yes, throwback to Skippy Lowe. He and Martha used to travel together to Da Nang. This was in Da Nang, as Skip would say. Um, and over there, they would uh, uh, blow sailors. They would have competitions to blow who could blow the most sailors. And she would take out her dentures. Folks, hang on to that fact, because it's all going to come in a little bit later. And she would, uh, she and Skip would have a contest over who could blow the most Servicemen. And I want to point out that when she took her dentures out, that would be not considered a blowjob. That would be considered a gummer. A gummer now. Oh. No. Just, I, no. I, th things that I did not want to learn on this on this podcast. Martha in the 30s becomes an overnight star. Um, and I cannot, I can't even like explain to you how big she was. It was like the whole country was obsessed with Martha Ray. And every male comedian wanted to work with her. Jimmy Durante, Al Jolson, Bob Hope, W.C. Fields, Milton Berle said she was the funniest woman next to Lucille Ball. She was constantly on the radio, um, and she there's two expressions of hers that are still with us today, and those expressions are, yeah, man, and oh, boy. So anytime you say, yeah, man, or oh, boy, you can thank Big Mouth herself, Martha Ray, and Martha would have loved it. Miss Maggie, Colonel Maggie would have loved it if you had just found a serviceman and blew them just like Colonel Maggie would have done. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. In, in addition to this, Martha Ray was also illiterate. Uh, she couldn't read, so people had to read the scripts to her. And this, I think, to me is the worst part of, of all of this, is that uh, Martha uh, has, and this isn't really good for an entertainer per se, a uh, fear of flying. Like a really big fear of flying. So the only way she can get on a plane, and remember she makes like three or four plane trips every week or so, uh, is by getting uh, shit-faced. She can only get shit-faced, which meant a lot of airlines stopped refusing her service because she was just an embarrassment to everybody. In the uh, 60s, so she goes on, she becomes she becomes very big with the service uh, by entertaining people. They send her all over, and she's known, okay, so if you remember at this time, Bob Hope used to do like TV specials, right? He would go to like wherever the, the soldiers were, do a TV special, and then like everyone on TV would watch and go, oh my God, Bob Hope's such a wonderful person. Bob Hope was only working at safe places. Martha Ray was working at the unsafe places. She was the one who was like going in. She was also trained as a nurse. 
So she also used to help people on the battlefield. It was very impressive. And she was awarded the Jean Herschel Humanitarian Award for her work. And the, then after that, like after the war's end, thank God, like her career kind of slows down. But what she's known for more than anything in the 1980s is she becomes a television spokesperson. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. This commercial played ad nauseum throughout the entire 1980s. Polident presents Martha Ray, TV star, denture wearer. You know, when I clown in front of that camera, this big smile needs something extra. Extra strength Polident Green. It gets my dentures sparkling clean. Now, not only is she doing commercials, she also she doesn't have a man to go home to. Martha's lonely. Martha's been lonely for quite some time. She uh, doesn't really seem to have a marriage that lasts more than like five years. She marries six or seven different guys. One of the guys she marries, you have to remember his name because he's going to come back later on for us. His name is Nick Condos. He was a tap dancer. He was not only her husband, he was her business manager. Together, they had a daughter named Melody. Melody Condos. Isn't that a great name? The lady who folds stuff and tells you to put stuff in the right places. That's Marie Kondo. Uh, my bad. <laughs> you see uh, you see how it's the same. I, I see how it's the same for just about everybody. And Martha in the 50s was involved in a pretty big like sex scandal. And, and not the one about blowing the sailors, something totally different. Uh, she fell in love with one of her security guards, because apparently Martha Ray needed security detail, and uh, uh, took the guy away from uh, his wife, uh, who had just given birth two weeks earlier to their first baby. So Martha was not uh, not necessarily loved in the tabloids. And Martha, in an attempt to have people feel sorry for her and to win the guy back, she attempted to kill herself. And so this was like... Really fucked up. This was all over the news at the time. So in the 1980s, even though she's doing this, these Pepsodent commercials, um, she's still an alcoholic. She's become very despondent. They think Alzheimer's and dementia is setting in. She will not move. Uh, She will not eat. In 1990, she had a stroke, which left her whole left side paralyzed. Plus, she broke four ribs when she fell. Then a year later, she had a second stroke. And now has broken her shoulder. So by 1991, this woman is, once again, has alcohol brain, has dementia, literally cannot move, and she's bedridden. And no people come to visit her, but she can't really do anything. She has a friend, a comic, named Bernie Allen. And he calls her one day and says, there's a young man I'd like you to meet, and he just loves you. Can I bring him over to say hello to you? And that man's name is Mark Harris. Let's hear how Mark met Martha Ray from his account. I was coming home from Las Vegas right. to Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And I was then to meet Bernie Allen. He told me to give him a call. He'd be staying with Martha a comic. Ray. A comic. Huh? comic. And so when I called, uh, Bernie Allen was out shopping. Right. And so uh, Martha said, give me that phone, she said to the nurse. <laughs> And to hear her voice, she has a very distinguishable voice. Right. And she says, oh, won't you please come over right away? I want to meet the young man that got Eddie Fisher on stage again. That's just what she said, because <laughs> Bernie Allen was really carrying on about right. the way I produced he with uh, Al Martino. So I did go over. Uh-huh. I was not aware that she had suffered such a stroke or that she was uh, really living so alone. And uh, it brought back memories. I cared for my mother in the last uh, three years of her life. She right. died in 1985, a much younger woman. And she had a stroke. 
so that's what I always say to guys. I'm like, hey, if you're gonna marry a woman, make sure she reminds you of her mother when she had a stroke, because that's that's really the best way to find love. Daniel, let me ask you a question because you've never seen Mark Harris or heard Mark Harris before. Any impressions about the way this pussyhound communicates? Oh gosh, this I, I I'm wading into dangerous waters, so I don't want to say anything bad. It's did it did anything surprise you? Was he any was he any different in your mind than from what you actually saw? Yes, I will say that it kind of I didn't know anything about this man, and hearing him speak about Martha Ray and I don't know some of his characterizations. It does surprise me that he would be potentially interested in pursuing a relationship with her, if that makes sense. Her being a woman. Her being a woman, you mean. Kind of surprised Okay. Him. All right. Yes. Maybe, yes. That would be an element that I would be surprised about. Hey, Rob, why don't you take this over for both of us, just so we can get out of that okay. hot water? I didn't realize Martha was going to look so horrible. I mean, she, you know, she looked like Mildred Pierce um, on a woman I used to date. Like, it's like, come on, dude. We know. Um, anyway, and Mark Harris isn't even his real name. His real name is Mark Bleefield. Bleefield? Mark Bleefield. And he's going to tell you just a little bit about his backstory. How did you get into show business or, or entrepreneur or what? Well, first of all, I always had this desire to sing. You're a singer. That's right. Well, I was singing then in the African room. I was about 18, 19, and 20 when right. I stopped. And there was another girl coming in and out, and she was singing. Uh, her name was Bette Midler. Oh, oh. The one you're going to carry on with. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Bette Midler at the African Room? Are you kidding me? Okay. So Mark Harris uh, was born in Brooklyn. Um, and he says, like he said, he began as a singer. Then he, quote, dropped out of show business. And he became a textile designer for 18 years in New York's Garment Center. After that, he was a hairdresser in the Catskills. And then... <laughs> <laughs> you can't make this up. That's a musical. And then at age 33, he decided to get back into the entertainment field because people like me need to be seen. And uh, he was uh, he was introduced to a producer named Nick Vanoff. Now, I don't know if, if Nick also is like, uh, you know, Mark and a pussy hound, but we'll see. Um, uh, but I feel that there was probably promises made. And he Nick produced a pilot for Mark Harris in 1983 called Dress Up America. And no one's ever seen the pilot. So, friends, if you have this, let me know. Uh, he then tried to do stand-up comedy and singing. The guy's f literally, you know, floundering all around. And then he says, quote, then I decided to hook into Eddie Fisher and try to sell his book. And started producing for him in Vegas up until recently. And for his part, Fisher says Harris, uh, this is Eddie Fisher, the great singer, said, uh, Mark Harris only got one engagement for me at the Dunes Hotel last April. Uh, and that the deal was financially disappointing. And he also said he, that uh, he produced shows for two famous singers who I will not give the credit to mention their name. <laughs> So, obviously, <laughs> something went awry. Now, uh, don't worry. Martha's going to be in good hands. Mark knows what to do with the woman. Don't let that deep, deep voice fool you. Uh, a few weeks before he was with Martha Ray, he broke up with a Los Angeles woman with whom he was living. She's the mother of his four-year-old daughter. And previously, Harris was married to another woman for more than 12 years with whom he has three grown daughters. Although people don't know who this woman is per se, and they think the kids might have been adopted. Now, um, he gets, he not, like we said, uh, 
she's on the phone with him. She says, come on over. Well, of course, she can't speak, so maybe she's just saying it and he can he can sense it. And Martha says when he comes over, quote, he in he came dressed in a lovely suit with flowers, and I looked, and he looked, and that was it. Uh, I remember the story about this guy, Bernie Allen. Well, no. Mark uh, apparently said to Bernie, uh, I, I really want to meet Martha Rake. Take me to introduce introduce me. He took uh, Mark Harris over. Then Mark Harris told Bernie, why don't you go out shopping and get some food so we can make a meal? Bernie Allen goes, and then Mark Harris never lets Bernie back in the house ever again. Really? It gets stranger. And Allen said, quote, he dropped me like a hot potato once he married Martha Ray, and that he had only known Mark Harris for two weeks, and there was no business relationship. Whoa. Um, so now... Mark Harris has snuck into her into her life. He's a cosmetologist as well, so he wants to make her look pretty again. And after a 22-day courtship, friends, after a 22-day courtship, they get married in secret. In fact, he puts her in a van, takes her off to Vegas to marry her. Road trip. Her daughter, remember Melody, is like, where's my mom? And apparently mom's been kidnapped. They get married in Las Vegas, September 25th, 1991. He is 42 years old. She is 75. And now here's the other thing to keep in mind, friends. Is she or is she not cognizant? Is she or is she not aware of what's happening to her? After the secret wedding, he takes her to the Golden Nugget, where a rabbi, once again, Martha Ray, by the way, um, as you can tell, once as she was Bible study church, she's not Jewish. But he takes her to the Golden Nugget where a rabbi marries them in his suite that he shares with a male friend. And the male friend has one job during the wedding ceremony, and that's to prop up Martha Ray so she doesn't fall over during the ceremony. Uh, and you might be asking yourself, well, you know, what do you normally do on your honeymoon night? Do you consummate the wedding? Now, Martha said, quote, after all these years, I almost forgot how to do it. But Mark brought it all back, and it's beautifully done. This is my teacher. And uh, Mark had no problem talking about it with people. And uh, this is him talking a little bit about what the first night with Martha Ray was like. Were you aroused by being with a woman who was in her late 70s? Oh. It's not so much aroused. It's Martha Ray, and she's really some woman. Is she in her late 70s? 76 now, yeah. Right. And you made love to a 76-year-old woman? To Martha Ray. Yes. Martha Ray, yes. That's different. That's different. <laughs> now no, I've seen it. pictures now of Martha. I mean, she's it. a very old woman. Well, and I mean that's amazing. Relative, she looked and you great. And you were you were fully aroused through. during this? Yeah. What? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I rise for all occasions. All right. How loaded were you? Were you drinking oh, at the no, time? No. No. <laughs> you were no, not on a drunken binge. Not on a. Drunk, and when was this? This was no. the night of your wedding. The night of your yes. wedding, you made love. Mm -hmm. And you have not made love since then. Maybe once or twice. I didn't mark it down on the calendar. Yeah, so Mark has no problem telling everybody about what's going on. Now, here's the issue, though. This 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 next event's going to contradict uh, Mark's story because on the night of her wedding, um, she was hospitalized with severe stomach problems. Uh, the condition was later diagnosed as internal bleeding caused by lengthy, heavy doses of blood thinner that she was given for her clotting problems, and she suffered yet another stroke for which she was briefly hospitalized. Now... While all of this is happening and she's missing in Las Vegas, her agent, a woman named Ruth Webb, who also is part of the Skippy Low cadre of crazy individuals. This woman looks like she's had so much plastic surgery. It's horrible. She's an agent. She's Martha's agent. She calls Mark and goes, what the fuck? And Mark says to her, your services are no longer needed. I'm now Martha's manager. Hangs up on Ruth Webb and changes the phone number. 
Once again, this is love. That's why he changed the number. He didn't want anyone interrupting him and his lady love. Now, Ruth Webb tries to get a lawyer to stop Mark from transferring any assets until Martha's cognitive ability is proven. But even before the wedding, though, Mark says he penned a pact with a woman who has no ability to move or communicate. But they have a pact. And the pact is that he owns 50% of the rights for a book about her life, um, the film version, and a Broadway musical, which he currently had deals underway for, as well as uh, any any money that might come to him from a lawsuit, and we're going to talk about a lawsuit that he starts in a second. He's also negotiating for video and cable TV shows of her of her TV show so he can put them on Nick at Night, get money for it. He even attempts to get her reinstated as the Polydent spokeswoman to do new commercials for Polydent. Let me review one more time, friends. She has no legs. She cannot talk. She broke her shoulders. How is she going to be the spokeswoman for Paladin? Voiceover. She can't talk, Ray. Oh, wow. Okay. Can she use Paladin to get her shoulders working again? Like, put them back together? I wonder if that's what cured her. <laughs> they put some Paladin in the IV. She jumped up on the hospital bed and sang Pig Knuckle Feet or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, she was going to do the Pig Knuckles. While this is all happening, he's also getting rid of all of her furniture, redoes the entire house, gets a new jacuzzi because the old one was just the wrong color. And... While this poor woman is like just wasting away, he's having parties with it's and the parties. Sometimes she's invited to the parties and she falls asleep and they would just wheel her off. And the parties are two groups of people. They're either like young gay men he's fucking because he's also, by the way, just we're not guessing here. He's openly bisexual, by the way. He's open about it. Oh, okay. That is that is good to know. That is helpful. But if you don't know that going into it and you just hear, God, this is the guy who married Martha Ray, and you go, well, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, maybe he loves it. And he goes, and then when Joan Crawford came to the party, you're like, what? <laughs> what's happening? Come here, Javier. <laughs> you know Javier. And the other group of people that are getting invited to the party are all of her old fucking friends who don't work anymore that he's fucking obsessed with because it's so clear, just like every show queen, he, Howard Stern said something brilliant. He goes, what is it about you? He goes, why is it? He goes, that every man who gets a dick in their mouth then wants to sing a Stephen Foster song. Because <laughs> it's true. I don't know. Gay guys, they have an obsession with the past. So for him, he's in like... <laughs> Hog heaven, like hog knuckle heaven, because he's palling around with all of her old friends, including Cesar Romero, the Joker from Batman, Rosemary from the Dick Van Dyke show. Mamie Van Dorn. Don't forget Mamie. Mamie Van Dorn. I mean, it's literally like a who's who of who cares, but he's the happiest man on earth. Now, he has to prove to the public that she's cognizant and aware, so that way they don't go, well, he's taking the money of a sick woman. So he takes her out. In his wheelchair, he sticks a cigarette in her mouth, and he takes her down the street, and she passes out and has a stroke. What? And so he gets her to the hospital. He takes her out the next day to uh, a club called Lacage, where it's all a bunch of guys in drag, and he sits her in the back corner with a cigarette in her mouth. And goes and has a good time. As long as she had her nicotine. People, you know, are talking about the fact, like, well, why'd they get married in private and secret? And he's like, you know what? We need to have a public wedding. So on December 30th, 1991, they had a lovely wedding at their house. Once again, he's 42. She's 75. The guests included Cesar Romero, Mickey Rooney, Mr. Blackwell, Gloria Allred, and 23 members of the Arm Reserves. Now, uh, Martha tells everyone, apparently she's able to communicate, uh, but I, don't, I can't find any audio of her at this time. So I'm like, 
is she talking? Is someone sending a press release? Like, what's happening? But anyway, she says, quote, before Mark, I had no hopes and I had no dreams. I was just living day by day and trying to get better. I was very lonely, just the nurses and myself and some friends who would come over. But I'm not down anymore. Mark made me feel like a woman. I had been alone for so many years, and along comes Mr. Harris, and boom, it was like a cyclone, without saying anything to anyone except, how do you do? This was That was the first day. Then we added another word on words and kept getting added and on, and then we realized we were in love. He's a nice Jewish boy. She adds in a Yiddish accent, Ray is Christian. Why did she insist on being married by a rabbi? Getting married by a Gentile six times didn't work. Then she says, he's proven himself to me, or I wouldn't take a chance again. He was honest with me. I have to be in a wheelchair, so he takes care of me. I have two nurses, but he's the head nurse. This is like a beautiful, wonderful peace of mind, a love you can believe in. My mother, my other marriages weren't this deep. There was no honesty there. It was marrying a star and the money. There's no problem here at all. She holds up her wedding ring. I didn't have to pay for it. That's something new. Ray, what are you thankful for this month? Well, Rob, I'm thankful that we have so many great This Was a Thing listeners and that so many of them financially support us so we can continue to dive as deep as we can into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. And support my Hummel habit. Want to help us be even more thankful? Head on over to Patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search for This Was a Thing and set a monthly donation. Even a dollar a month helps us. Your contributions help us continue doing what we are doing. And what are you doing this November, Rob? By being thankful that we can have as much diet canned cranberry sauce as we want. Gotta get my P90 Eximus body on. Ow. Pull the hamstring. Go lay down, Rob. Mm. We are thankful for all of you and will be even more thankful if you can head on over to Patreon.com. Now, the tabloids are loving this, and Mark loves the tabloids, and he will do anything to stay in the tabloids, including launching a lawsuit against Bette Midler, saying that Bette Midler stole Martha Ray's life story for the horrible 1991 movie For the Boys. Have you guys ever seen this movie? No. No. Long story short, the the movie is about a married couple that go and entertain troops during the war. And you follow and you follow them like as they're breaking up and all that stuff. That's all it is. Apparently Mark Harris said that's Martha Ray's life story. And he sues Bette Midler. And they came up together from the African room. And they were together in the, you know, really hurts when it's from the African room. You know what I mean? It's one of your own. Yeah. Wait, but Bette Midler, did she write the movie? Like, was she the one who wrote it? Is that why he could sue her? Or did she just star in it? She was the producer of the film. Oh, okay, okay. She was the producer of the film. And her husband, Nick Condos, the manager, he said, I talked to Bette Midler about doing the life story of Martha Ray. And Bette Midler wasn't interested. And he goes, and then years later, this movie comes up and it uses a lot of elements of Martha Ray's life. Bette Midler turned around and said, no, 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 no. She goes, Martha Ray is one of many women who were going over and doing this. And their story is very different. Like Martha Ray traveled single. This In the movie, it's a comedy team where like the husband has as much of a story as the woman does. So so anyway, so um, Bette Midler says, look, I'll give Martha Ray a small amount of money just to say thank you because she's a legend and this like will just get her off our back. And Mark Harris says, no, Martha is suing you for $5 million. He goes, we're taking $5 million or nothing. And the judge dismissed the case being like, there's no, there's no credit for this. So Mark Harris, brilliant businessman, <sighs> fucked up this deal. 
Once again, don't watch the movie. It's not very good. But the way I think most people know Mark Harris is because of the Howard Stern show, which I know Ray is a huge fan of. Still or, or not so much? Not so much. So, friends, this is going to be hard to believe. Before he was an armchair psychoanalyst complaining about the fact that he could never find a chess time with John Stamos, Howard Stern was very funny. Uh, and very raunchy, and everybody listened to him, and everybody worshipped at his altar. He literally changed the culture, and I'm sure we'll do an episode on him at some point, but the brand of comedy that he had was what he would call the whack pack. Crazy, weird individuals that he could bring onto the show that would fill four hours of airtime, and people would love them. And one of his favorites was Mark Harris. Ray, tell me about Howard Stern and Mark Harris. Well, I can tell you this much. Mark Harris did not think he was part of the whack pack. I can tell you that much. Tell me, tell me. Well, he didn't want to be compared. I don't think he wanted to be compared to Hank the Angry, uh, the angry Drunken Dwarf. So uh, I feel like, or, or Gary the uh, Slow Adult, as they now call him. But uh, the fact that he was so open about being with this older woman while also being such a flamboyant man himself uh, was just perfect fodder for uh, early 90s Stern. And let's give you an, an example of, of this. This is uh, Mark Harris and Stern, one of the first appearances. December 7th, 1993, Mark Harris comes in to announce he's writing a book about Martha Ray's life. I don't think that was ever released. It wasn't released, but it is written. Okay, so next. he can read it. I'm just, yeah, I, I can mean, read it's it. just sort of tragic. I, I even mean, I even did it in Braille. You, you want to feel it? You badly want to have something work out in show business, and you, you want to know, you know what? I'm going to call go you ahead, this. Go ahead. You are the eternal optimist. That you're right. It's he's you're right. No, honest. You, you really you, think it's going to happen? You hit the nail on the head. And what was really brilliant about Mark on the show, like Ray is saying, is he was fully aware. I'm an old queen, and yeah. everyone knows that I've married this woman. For I'm going to be honest with you. I think he did love her. I think he loved her in the way that I think gay men love Judy Garland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So people start questioning Martha Ray. Like, are you afraid that he's exploiting you? And she's and he goes, I, it's so ridiculous. I pay no attention to it. Uh, and Harris says uh, he knows show business inside and out. He knows how to talk to people. Yeah. Okay. And he doesn't care about any criticism. He says, quote, it makes me feel like a male Alexis from Dynasty. And I went out and shopped accordingly. Just ask Victor at Neiman Marcus what I bought. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, anyway. Anyway. But he's moving pretty fast um, to get uh, to cash in before this woman finally leaves. Like I said, he strikes a publishing deal for her from an with an autobiography titled "Take It from the Big Mouth." <laughs> it's literally just going to be a book about her sex life and the fact that uh, she had sex with Joan Crawford and that she had a penchant for servicing servicemen. Guess what? Martha Ray knew nothing about the book, but somehow she was signed to write an autobiography for you for it. He was writing a biography about her life that Julie Stein was interested in but passed on. Then he wanted to make a musical version of Dorian Gray where it's, which starred himself. What? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot the Dorian Gray. He wanted to make Dorian Gray where it takes place in the Garment District. What? And one of the potential producers was going to be Donald Trump. He was going to star as Dorian Gray, and he had to get a facelift because he wanted to look younger, and he brought the Stern cameras in for the facelift, and they he then he had to show up the next day to do an interview, and if you look at the interview, he's got like gauze all over his face. He's all puffed up, and they just take turns throwing paper <laughs> at his face. It's so good. Now, 
in all of this, don't forget, yes, she has friends who are concerned. Yes, she has other people that are concerned. But no one can really intercede except maybe a daughter. And she has a daughter. Oh, yeah, right. Remember Melody Condos? Now, Melody Condos and her mom do not have the uh, greatest relationship. And in 1962, they're about to do a show together, a TV show together. And uh, the, the this is a, literally a quote from Melody Condos. Quote, women, be mothers are not, are jealous of other women. I don't think any older person likes to see a younger person come to their level in shorter time. I'm not necessarily saying this is true about my mother. I wouldn't doubt it. So this is the mother-daughter relationship. So it's good. It's Everything's yeah, good. Really solid. Sounds healthy. Really solid, really healthy. Now, remember Nick Condos? He was uh, her husband. They divorced, but he was still her manager. In 1988, he dies, and his death is what's going to trigger the fight between uh, Melody, Martha, and Mark. So Nick remained Martha's manager, and when he died, he promised Melody, his daughter, all of his savings, including the commission he made off the Polydent commercials. But whatever was in his safety deposit box was gone by the time she got to it. Of course. Apparently, what she finds out is, is that Martha never paid Nick the money from the Polydent commercials. So basically, the actress didn't pay her manager, so the manager had no money. So the dad kept saying, well, when I die, you're going to get all the money your mom gave me from the royalties, except mom has never given them any of the royalties. And so the daughter, like, she just, now she doesn't know this until after he dies, so she's quit her job. She's like, you know, she thinks she's going to get money. And if you remember, she is not happy that Mark's in the picture now. So she starts to, she's very clear, she's aware what everyone else is aware of is. He's taking advantage of her. So uh, she begins a legal battle to get control of her mom's estate due to her the mom's ill health. In order to prove that something is wrong, she has, she has to show that Martha is unable to manage her financial resources or resist fraud or undue influence. And she goes on to say, you know, furthermore, a few months ago, the conservatee, that's her mom, met a young, much younger man, Mark Harris. And a few weeks later, she married him, even though at the time she was physically unable to go to the courthouse to sign for the marriage license. So now the press go back to Martha and they're like, what do you think about all this? And she goes, I think it stinks. This is Martha Ray talking about her daughter. She's only out for the almighty buck. I don't like being told how to live in my own home or how to spend my money. My daughter said I'm crazy. She wants to take my house and my money. She's nuts. They ought to put her away. And Mark Harris says, it's not the money that I'm worried about. I've always made my own. But the thing I'm very concerned about is that I don't know that Maggie will survive. We call her Maggie. She's never had a heart attack, but that's my fear. She's emotionally internalizing it. You see it in her anguish, her anger. She's festering. So what's going to happen if Martha Ray dies? Who should be ashamed? I've done nothing to be ashamed of. So in 1992, the judge appoints a conservator and says, here's how this is going to work. She's going to get $3,000 a month for incidental expenses, and a CPA is going to pay her all of her routine bills. But that didn't matter because Mark, he was on the road. He was never even home anymore. What does he care? Uh, he had a singing career. You probably want to hear him sing a little bit, don't you? Please. Yes, please share. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the golden voices of Mark Harris. Non, rien de rien Non, je ne regrette rien Ni les biens qu'on m'a fait Ni les mal, tout ça m'y a bien égal 
Oh my gosh. And also to get himself more onto uh, the Stern show, he does political parody songs. And now I should mention at this point, Mark Harris is a full-on Fox-loving Trumper Republican. Dear President Clinton, I did write this song for you to thank you on behalf of Martha Ray. I know we had our problems, really don't know why. The medal wasn't sooner, you didn't try. The song that he's singing is uh, a song that uh, he wrote for President Clinton. First of all, he uses all melodies from 1930s and 40s movies. None of the compositions are original. You're kidding. And this is a song called Dear Mr. Gable that Judy Garland used to sing, and he's just rewritten the words for it. Now, let me show you. Well, the reason why he's singing a song of praise to Bill Clinton is because Bill Clinton was the first president to finally award Martha the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And then 1994, things are coming to a head, friends, because Martha's not doing too well. The January earthquake in California in 1994, which was like one of the biggest earthquakes ever, um, destroyed Martha's home. Oh, geez. Oh, shit. And he wasn't at home when this happened. So he was off in New York doing the Stern Show. Then they put her in a hotel for a long time. Now she has to have both of her legs amputated below the knee. Oh She's had God. numerous strokes. At the, the last few months of her life, she got down to 70 pounds, and her um, organs are starting to collapse because of alcohol use. Now, Mark, though, he, he can even have a sense of humor when he's checking her into the hospital because he used to check her in, not under Martha Ray, but the name Polly Dent. What? Oh, my fucking God. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a drag name. That sounds like an old person drag name. That would be a great drag name. 70 pounds, no legs. He takes her to the 4th of July parade where she falls asleep during the parade. He keeps feeding her foods. The doctors are like, stop feeding her. But more importantly, he's never around anymore. And because he's never around and he was acting as her head nurse, Every time they brought this poor woman to the hospital, nobody could tell the doctors what medication she was on. Nobody could tell what was going on with her. And finally, while he's off, I think with his boyfriend in New York, she dies of pneumonia oh, at no. Cedar sinai Medical Hospital, October 19th, 1994, at 1.45 p.m. Remember the number 1.45 p.m. because it is going to play a part later on in something. Um, this is Mark, who had no problem talking about anything, uh, discussing the fact uh, how he found out his wife had died. Martha Ray died. Did they call you on the plane? Now, were you in Europe with your boyfriend at the time? Which question first? Wait a minute. No, let's get straight. Where ahead. were you at the time when you heard the news? At the time, I was leaving my hotel. Okay. Now, the nurse called me. Uh, Martha took a turn for the worst. I was already going to. Now, jail. anyone who's just tuning in realizes Mark was married to a woman 40 years older than him. 33 years. Excuse me. Go ahead. This is a young guy, a, a gay man, who married a woman named Martha Ray, but she was like, yeah. yeah. So it wasn't a physical attraction. Well, he put, he's now got a whole spin on that, too. What no, was that? I don't have the any whole spin. thing was that at the time they got together. Yes. <laughs> yes. That Martha was being attacked by her daughter. Right. And, he, and she needed an ally. <laughs> you had to marry the ally. Her daughter was doing her for two years before. So okay. I was but Canada to her This is a 1991 <laughs> interview. Let's do today. All right. So you get, you get word but, that yeah. she dies. Now, no, how soon I didn't do you have word that she died. That, that she was dying. That, yes. And how soon did you get the money? I didn't get any money. Yes, you did. I did. You got the house. Mm -hmm. True. It will probate to me, yes. <laughs> you got the house. Yes. Word. Yeah, all right. It's your house. Yes. It will probate to me. 
And of course, even his wife's death can be funny. Like I said, she died at 1.45. By 2 p.m., her body was en route to a mortuary. He had it arranged that it was automatically being taken to a mortuary 15 minutes after the, she dies. Now, the next day, before this is even announced to the public, before it even appears in an obituary, a service in a Santa Monica chapel with tons of people who didn't know Martha Ray was being held. Her California funeral service was held the next day, and the only people there were friends of Mark Harris. Now, the daughter gets a phone call three hours before the service going, are you going to your mom's thing today? And he goes, what? she goes, what are you talking about? And she goes, oh, yeah, it's your mom's service. So the daughter goes down there. The daughter has to sit in a pew a few rows back because Mark and his male companion in matching velvet suits sat up in the front row. They didn't want to have only family in the front, and that's not the daughter. Now, when uh, Melody gets up to speak, she literally takes the opportunity to yell at Mark um, about the fact that he's done this horrible thing. And and she says, I just want to lift up the coffin just so I can see the body. To which Mark says, well, the body's not in there. It's literally an empty fucking casket because her body's on its way to Fort Bragg all the way across the United States. Melody calls Fort Bragg and they go, oh, we were told not only did you know that she was being buried at Fort Bragg for military with military honors, but that a tabloid was paying all your expenses to come out here. So Mark has been lying to everybody to keep the daughter away from the funeral. They have the ceremony at Fort Bragg. Again, they tell Melody, you can't come up and sit up by the family. Uh, Melody pulled up in like a, a rented Toyota. He came up in a limo. And he finally says to her at the funeral, here's how this is going to work. Martha left me everything. I'll give you $50,000 if you don't challenge the will. You're going to get nothing for the grandson. She had a grandson. Nothing for your grandson. And everything else was left to Mark somewhere between the $1.5 to $2.4 million range. Wow. Wow. She dies. And now Mark is a free man. And his first quote that he has after she dies is, quote, trust me, I want an Oscar, a Tony, and an Emmy. I have to make up for lost time. And Martha would say to me, oh, Mark, if I could give you stardom, I would. Now, this is where it really starts to go off the rails. Um, Martha left a chunk of money to PETA for $100,000. But Mark, in honor of Martha, takes the money that she leaves him, and he creates his own line of furs. No, what? And he says, quote, the freedom to choose fur is the same as the freedom to choose abortion and to those who complained about what he was doing he would say let them eat steak he was a he was a witty one like i said he broadcasts his facelifts on the howard stern show he continues to make satirical albums tons of satirical albums i'd like to telephone and speak to elizabeth taylor She's surely changed looking like Norman Mailer in drag. I'd ring her to discuss Michael Jackson, it's a must. Is their friendship in trouble? Will Liz burst like a bubble? Once again, that is a Judy Garland song. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter. With a whole different melody. But Stern and his group say that the the best song that represents Mark Harrison and, and one that I'd love to end on um, is this one. This is based on an old operatic song called Oh My Papa. And uh, Mark Harris has uh, renamed it. I'm a gay papa. 
behaving so luxurious Watching my kids, I'm generous as well Then the 21st century happens. What happens to Mark Harris? We'll tell you right after the break. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. Claude's wedding arrangements, how may I help you? Hello, Claude, it's Mark Harris again. Sorry I'm calling so much, but I just want to make sure this wedding goes off without a hitch. The last thing I want to do is look like Marie Dressler in Dinner at Eight, although I already have the jowls. Is there something specific I can help you with, Mr. Mark Harris? Yes, you can let me know where we ended up for the, on the seating arrangement for Table Neuve. I, I beg your pardon? Neuve, nine, nine. Ah, Table Nine, with Rose Marie, Maury Amsterdam, Anne Gilbert, and Joanne Worley. This is good. Keep the young people together. Now, where are we on the band? The band is what's left of the Glenn Miller Orchestra, but it's, it's not fun, Mr. Mark Harris. One man just lays there with a horn and demands an additional dinner for his nurse. Sounds like my last week with Leo DeLion. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. I only want to have relations with Martha. Beautiful Martha. Now, Claude, do we have everything we need for the wedding night? It's all been sent ahead to the Dunes Hotel, yes? Do you mean the tickets for Legends in Concert? No, you know, the uh, prevot things for the night of lovemaking. I sent a new list through the post just yesterday. Do you have to go, Mr. Mark Harris? No, no, no. Martha's just trying to redo the old pig routine, but Cesar Romero is in there with her drunk on schnapps. I mean, Kenny Kingston predicted she'd fall like this. He said it would involve gin, not schnapps, but Kenny was a teetotaler. Wasn't the best at connecting with the spirits about spirits, but... Can you go over the list again with us, Mr. Mark Harris? Uh, We just want to make sure this is perfect for you. You're very sweet. And very tall, I can tell from the phone. It's one of those fancy new ones without the cord. Martha was always so into technology. See, the phone is so fancy that I can tell you tall just by talking to you on it. What are you, 5'8", five 5'9"? Five anyway, uh, color of the sheets? Extra strength, polydent green. How many pillows for Martha? Two. For me? Three, and they've all been stuffed with ostrich plumes, as you've requested. And those ostriches were from New Zealand, correct? In Western Australia. Mm. Lubricant? For you? Crisco, warmed with a fondue pot. For her? Been gay. New tube. For the officiant? One rectal plug in the shape of Martha's Jean Hirschhold Award, including name and base plate. Maid of honor? Rosa the night nurse from Kaiser Permanente. Best man? Mr. Blackwell from Mr. Blackwell. Honey, if he isn't the best man, I don't know who is. Who's singing? Miss Barbara McNair. That doesn't sound right. It's Barbara. No, sir, it's... Uh, Mr. Skippy Lowe was very clear when he told me. Now, who is leading the Pledge of Allegiance? Rudy Giuliani. And if she dies, who's doing the eulogy? Rudy Giuliani. And what do we do if we see Melody Condos? Throw Martha's false teeth at her. Ah, very good, Claude. Now, remember, anything you might have written down during this conversation is for your eyes only. For your eyes only. Only for you. 
You'll see what no one else can see. And now I'm breaking free for your eyes only. Sing with me, Claude. Only for only you. For you. This is something that I learned from Miss uh, Miss uh, Shirley Bassey. The love I knew you needed me. The fantasy you freed in me. Only for you. He's a big finish. Only, Only for, for you. you. Harmonize with me. Oh. Look, I don't know a lot about music, but I know a lot about Shirley Bassey. And this is, this is well-researched. Thank you. This was a sketch. All right, so what happens to Mark Harris? Well, he goes on the Stern show, but uh, the novelty does wear off a little bit because the novelty really is, is how is this 42-year-old man sleeping not only with a 75-year-old woman, but a woman who is so severely impaired? He sort of fades away. He comes back every once in a while. And then in the mid-aughts, they just sort of lose track of him. Everybody loses track of him. Um and he doesn't really circulate all that much. He doesn't, which surprises me because I would think with reality television, he would have been a perfect candidate for so much of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the Big Brother celebrity. I mean, like, you know, or an MTV show or just something just because or he he, he was such a weird, weird, wonderful man. Bisexual. Okay. Without without ever hiding it. And like you said, one of the great things about getting him on the Stern show was this idea that he could literally hit the ball right back to them. He was in on the joke. You're right. He didn't see himself as a joke, but he knew that th- that his oddness makes him marketable. Sounded like that. Yeah. He could see himself from an outsider's perspective almost. Yes. He knew what he was and he wanted to succeed more than anything. He just wanted to be famous. In 2018, Mark Harris passed away. Oh. He um, he was living in Las Vegas. He had uh, four heart attacks over the past few years, suffering from COPD. He, w- he was very obese by the end. Um, and when he passed, there was no funeral. There was no service. And only recently did the Stern Show find out that he had passed. Fi- it finally came to their attention when somebody reached out to them being like, hey, do you remember Mark Harris? He's gone. Um, and so they celebrated on the Stern Show with talking about Mark and reliving some of the wonderful memories they had with him. And Howard Stern did say it best, which is, I'm sure this is exactly how Mark Harris wanted to be remembered. Yeah. Everybody spending time talking about him. So, folks, today we introduced you to one of my the most interesting people I've ever come across in, in, in any of these shows, which is a gold digger, Mark Harris, who not only reinvented the truth, he invented himself from absolutely nothing. Uh, and, of course, he blew through all the money. I mean, that's, I'm sure, pretty obvious by now. And that's this. I've been wanting to talk about him for quite some time because I think, you know, so many times, because I do musicals, like so many times people will be like, I have an idea for a musical. And you're like, that's a bad idea. And then you hear this guy's life story and you go, this could be really fascinating. Or like a fucking Ryan Murphy thing. Get like Sarah Paulson to play him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Holland Taylor. Holland Taylor could play Maggie. So friends, I wanted to, like I said, there are three, there are two big gold diggers in history. This, this Pope lady and Anna Nicole Smith. I think Mark Harris deserves to be up there. And I actually think more than Anna Nicole Smith and more than Peggy, I think he had it harder. So you're saying that Mark, Mark, Mark Harris should be on the Mount Rushmore of gold diggers? Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We need a fourth one then, I think, right? Because now we've got three. Oh, yeah. Who would be the fourth gold digger? That's a great question. Maybe actually, like Ray was saying, maybe like a miner, like a gold miner or somebody just to balance it out a little bit. Oh, yeah. So, friends, this is any 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 initial thoughts, impressions? How you both doing? Do you feel good? Do you feel like you learned something? Oh, I'll be doing an impression all day. I learned a lot. I learned a lot today. I was, okay, well, I had like a few thoughts. First one was, I do think that for a long time that word gold digger is inherently associated with women. And I think not not for maybe correct reasons. I think there's a lot of reasons why that's a stereotypes and so much that's wrapped up in that. But I was curious if like this, because you said like Mark Harris is one of the first well-known male gold diggers. I was wondering if there was some sort of correlation between that rise and the fact that we've had waves of feminism and things like that and like recognizing the fact that there's so many stereotypes wrapped up in it because I'm assuming is not the actual first one but really the most famous one that we know about. The only one that went on Stern show. Well yeah I was going to say I think that's what makes him prominent which is I'm sure the other people that do this they don't advertise it because they don't want people looking at them Mm. to go something's going on over here he was the reverse he threw himself he put himself and the he put himself out there in the press yeah they didn't know who he was and he was like i'll make a name for myself How, how else did the press know all of these things that were going on he was inviting them in he was letting them know and i think that's the real difference which is kind of makes it even bolder and more brazen that he's like bring it on no press is bad. What is it? No press is bad press? Yeah. I was just going to say yeah, that. All yeah. press is good press. And I think that's how he looked at it. This is a man who wanted to be famous and did not realize he literally had no talent. He couldn't sing. Well, in French, he could sing. He could sing in French. No. Yeah. But what, like I said to, at the beginning of the podcast, which is to me, he really is like the epitome of the American dream. He is a person with no talent who thinks he's talented. He's a person with no money that ends up with all the money in the world. And he has no shame in doing what he wants to do. Nothing will stop him from his goal of being famous. And if that means he has to sleep with a 75-year-old stroke victim to do it, bring it on. And I guess in his, maybe in his defense and also in support of hopefully Martha Ray having a happy last portion of her life, as long as we can assume those quotes are real uh, that she delivered, that she was happy and they had a fulfilling relationship and it was mutually beneficial. I was a little bit taken aback when it's like he was never around to help, but maybe that was an agreement they had. Like, I don't know. It, it feels be- like I shouldn't try to analyze their own relationship without personal information. It just seems weird from the outside to say, oh, I care about her so much and then also never be with her. No, I, I agree with you. I think that actually is probably the big issue, which is as soon as he got her, he just sort of dumped her. Unless it would, you know, unless he needed something from her to show her off. Right. And I do believe, I believe those quotes that we talked about earlier, which happened right after she got married to him when she was still verbal. Like you see some of that on the Stern show that she is able to communicate a little bit. I don't deny it. I'm sure, listen, here's a woman who obviously really liked male companionship. She had tons of marriages, tons of relationships. She was very promiscuous sexually. No judging. She was, she liked sex. There's nothing wrong with that. But then it's taken away from her. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so she's probably been sitting on these emotions for so long that finally when she gets the opportunity, she's like, great, I'm going to I'm going to take it. And he's also he's flattering. You know, he makes her look beautiful. He takes care of her. He knows her movies. He can, yeah. you know, all that shit. Then he got a, you know, a little higher on the rung and 
you know, I'll get to her when I get to her. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think that was the only thing that I heard. I was like, that just seems not great, especially if he does feel so strongly about her, whether it's like a romantic kind of love or if it's just like a more like a sort of obsessed with her fame and with that era of her life. Oh, yeah. Also, the, the daughter, the daughter kind of faded. Like, like that was not an okay thing. Like, regardless, I mean, like, it sounds like she didn't have a great relationship with her mother, which is, you know what? That, that is not the first and sadly probably won't be the last time that happens where a mother and daughter don't get along. But still, it, that felt like a pretty underhanded way to treat her. Yes, yes. And also shady business dealings with the mom. Yeah, seriously. The mom's like, I never paid him. I never paid. She the, Technically, a client didn't pay their agent. When you look at it, regardless of what the relationship is, unless the dad had been li- was lying to the daughter, right, and was like, "I told mom to keep the money, and you'll just, well, by the time you find out about it, I'll be dead, so it doesn't really matter." I don't know, you know, it's all fucked up. But the like, you know, taking the body to, you know, away, and then having a funeral with his yeah. boyfriend there. And apparently, like, nobody at the funeral was friends with Martha Ray. It was all these, these, you know, gay guys he picked up along the way. I don't know. The whole thing is so sleazy. Yeah, that felt very disingenuous. And, like, that certainly doesn't jibe with him being, like, a caring person. Or at least at least certainly not caring outside of the Martha obsession and the fame that allowed him to grasp for at least briefly. So, yeah, that definitely felt like not, a, not something that speaks in his favor. Sorry, Mark. Sorry, Mark. But... I guess, yeah, more power to him for pursuing his dreams with as much passion and avidity as Mark Harris did. I, I've learned a lot about him. Good. Now, friends, you all go out. You all go out and pursue your American dream. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Daniel's absolutely right. You stop. Look And look how happy he was for such a short amount of time. He burned bright and burned fast, Mark Harris. He did, Mark. He flew too close to the sun. He was viral before virality was a thing. There you go. I don't want to say anymore. Let's play a game. I want to end on that. Say it one more time, nice and loud. He was viral before virality was a thing. And music. This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. So, friends, this week's episode, we were talking about Martha Ray and Mr. Mark Harris. And our question for uh, us is, you know, this was a pretty big age difference between these two, but they have not the only two celebrity couples to have a pretty large age difference between them. I'm going to give you both some couples. I'm going to give you the age of the celebrity, and you're going to have to tell me the age of their partner. Okay? Whoever comes closest gets a point all right oh okay 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 gotcha whoever comes closest gets a point uh let me get out my little pen and paper here because you know here on this was a thing we can't afford things like you know uh uh assistance and electronic buzzers or big pens and big paper or big pens and big paper all right and i'm i hope i'm pronouncing these people's names correctly so please forgive me okay up first for us is bill murray the great bill murray and kellis Bill Murray and Kellis. Now, Bill Murray, friends, is 72 years old. Daniel, how old is Kellis? Bill Murray is 72 years old. How old is Kellis? Uh, I'm going to say 27. 27. Ray Hebel, how old is Kellis? I'm going to say 48. 48. Ray, congratulations. You got a point. Uh, Kellis is only 43 years old. 43 years old. Okay. And may they live happy together for quite some time. Uh, Up next is uh, someone that, Ray, I know you're very familiar with. That's the great actor Al Pacino, star of Cruising. Star of Cruising. And Al's got a girlfriend. And her name, this is a name, Noor Alfala. Noor Alfala. I thought it was Alfalfa. It's not. It is Noor 
Al Fowler. More alfalfa. Al Pacino, folks. Uh, he is 83 years old. He's 83 years old. Ray, how old is Al Fowler? I'm going to say 62. 62. Daniel, how old is Al Fowler? I'm going to just go with 50. Just on the half century. 50. Ray, Ray, you lose this one. This point goes to Daniel. Daniel, uh, you said 50. You come closest because Al Fowler is 29 years old. What? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. She's 29 years old. Uh, they are expecting okay. their first child together, and Pacino demanded a paternity test because he didn't think at 83-year-olds he could get anyone pregnant. Uh, so congratulations to Al. Now, Al Ooh, Pacino ah. has a, a great oh, a great acting colleague. His name is Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro is a spry 79 years old. Ah, uh, he should run for president. He should. Well, he's he's on the young side. I don't know if I want somebody that inexperienced. That's true. That's and, true. Yeah. Uh, De Niro has a, a girlfriend named Tiffany Chen. Daniel, how old is Tiffany Chen? 36. 36. Ray, how old is Miss Chen? I'm going to say 52. Congratulations, Mr. Hebel. You got another point. Miss Chen is 45 years old. Ah. Uh-huh. 45 years old. Congratulations, you two. Now, uh, here we go on this one. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know the ages per se, but you're going to have to give me the age difference between the two of them. All right. Now we have to do subtraction. <laughs> Hello. Is it me that you're looking for, Lionel Richie? It is. Lionel Richie and his girlfriend, Lisa Parigi, or Parigi. Lionel Richie and Lisa Parigi. What is the age difference between these two individuals, Ray? I'm going to say the age difference between Lionel and Mrs. Pierogi is... Um, Mistress Pierogi, is that what you call her? Yeah, Mistress, yeah. 37 years old. Or 37 years different, different. 37 year difference. Daniel, I'm sending it over to you. What's the age difference between Lionel Richie and Queen Pierogi? Um, well, the Duchess, I'm going to say prob- uh, the difference between their ages. Let's go with... 30. Okay, Ray, congratulations. You came closest again. There is a 40-year age difference mm. between this two. Between these two. I'll tell oh you one thing. God. I I bet you uh, at this rate he does not go all night long. All night. We don't have we don't have the rights for that, Ray. We don't have the rights. Oh, oh, oh shit. Shit, shit, shit. Okay, this is going to be a hard one. This is going to be a hard one. Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. What is the age difference between these two? This one's interesting because he's younger. Ray, do you want to go first? Yeah, Ray, what's the age difference between these two people? Well, if he's younger, I feel like I can only go one direction with this guess. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Ray Hebel. I'm going to say 23 years difference. Okay, 23. Dan, the man, what is the age difference between Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. This is like an over-under. I'm going to go with the over. I'm going to say 25. Ooh, Ray, congratulations. You oh. came closest. It is a 10-year age difference. Oh, wow. Just 10 oh, okay. years. Wow. That is fewer than I would Just thought. 10 years. Okay. Just because I think it's great to have all types of representation. The great two actresses of our generation, Sarah Paulson oh. and Holland Taylor. Sarah Paulson and Holland Taylor. Um, they, uh, as you know, they're both very talented individuals, both up Ryan Murphy's asshole. What is the age difference between Sarah Paulson and Ryan Murphy's asshole and Ryan Murphy's asshole Ooh. and Holland Taylor? Dan, this is for you. I'm going to, I'm going to you first, man. What is it? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say 
25 years. I'm going to go with 25 again. 25 between the great Holland Taylor and the great Sarah Paulson. Ray, I need a number. 32. Ray, congratulations. And what a great way to end, wow. Ray, because you got it right on the nose. Really? There is a 32-year age Sweet. gap between Sarah Paulson, Holland Taylor. Ray, you win this round. You got uh, yes. a five out of six correct. Five. You won five out of six. Uh, Dan, you got your one, so... Dan, you got to you got to increase your pervitry. Can I be honest? I don't know who Holland Taylor is, and I feel a, a bit poor about that. Have you ever seen Two and a Half Men when it's on reruns at all, just in the background on a TV? I never watched Two and a Half. No, no, I've never. But she she plays she plays Charlie Sheen and the other guy's mom. Oh, okay, all right. If you saw her, you'd recognize her. And then the last question this is a bonus question for you two. Okay. Uh oh. Okay. I need you. It's a math question, so get your pen and paper ready. You need to take the age difference between Alec Baldwin and Hilary Baldwin and subtract the number of years he's going to spend in jail for manslaughter. Mm-hmm. So you need to, it's a, it's, a, it's a math question. I'm just kidding folks. We're not we're not going to try to, you know, taint the jury pool any. That's just that's just a joke. That's just a joke, but the answer will be 17. The answer will be 17. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, awesome. So, friends, this is, this was a thing. This was Martha Ray, Mark Harris. Friends, if you don't know who these people are, I encourage you to go onto YouTube and look. Hey, Ray, where can people find everybody? Well, I'm not going to give addresses. That's weird. Oh, uh, www.thiswasathing.com. Or you can check us out on Instagram, This Was a Thing Pod. Or. Why don't I throw over to Daniel? He can tell you about some of the things you can get involved in yourself. Well, thanks so much, Ray. And yeah, you could go, if you head to Apple Podcasts, that particularly popular podcast platform, you can head on over there. And if you scroll to the bottom of our show page, you'll see there's an option to click and join our membership on Apple Podcasts. That's right. It's called And Another Thing. And if you join on Apple Podcasts, just like if you join on our Patreon page at the old Lucy level or higher, you will get access to extended episodes, ad-free episodes, and some bonus content that we have available for you and that we'll be making even more of in the future. And if you go to Apple Podcasts or any other platform and you you don't feel like you're able to join a membership, that is completely fine. First off, just thank you so much for listening. But if you feel like you might be able to leave a review or a rating for the show, that would be extremely, extremely generous of you and we would appreciate it ever so much. So thank you so much in advance both for listening and for whatever support you can give. Don't forget to put in your polydent, folks. Oh, please don't. All right. Well, till next time, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. But most importantly, enjoy the beautiful musical sounds of Mr. Mark Harris. No. Hillary Clinton. Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. 
And if you really like what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors, and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was a Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 